0: Dice, merchandise. merchandise today. Welcome back to Curse, Code, and Crown, a live play Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast featuring a fully original world and campaign. I am the wizard Cronox, observer of time. Curse, Code, and Crown features our regular voiceover artists and improvisers, Laura Elizabeth as the Orc Countant Eta and Princess Gwendolyn, Tyler Hewitt as Maka Deathcap, and Ryan LaPlante as Duncan Kindano alongside our dungeon master, the incredible Tom. McGee. so get ready for an adventure including thrills chills and hope for a brighter tomorrow it's time for curse code and crown
1: as prisoners you have been brought to bleen uh now it is important to remember that uh bleen uh is a series of islands uh, the islands of bleen um they are consortium kind of grew up around the idea of these islands and the idea of these islands being at the, the center of, of trade and commerce for Gren and more importantly, the facilitators of trade and commerce uh, for Gren, being uh, well situated in sort of the, uh, the center of the planet and having easy um, water access to all of the major continents um bleen uh, grew in prominence uh, quite considerably as uh, the nations of the world began to interact with each other um the central island is uh, the capital um and uh most of the island now has been consumed um by sour the imported city and it is here that you find yourselves uh, arriving by fancy ass gondola um having uh, spent a couple days Enduring yourselves to the uh, the rank and file soldiers um, who were guarding you, and embarrassing uh, the hard partying ambassador Ginkgo Longleaf. Uh, as you approach the city, um, Gwendolyn and Duncan, uh, and I guess Ida as well to some extent, um, you were struck by uh, the verticality of of some of these structures. They're not, um, you no, know, certainly not skyscraper level, but for Gren, it's not far off. Uh, they're probably um, sort of 12-story buildings. Um, there are a couple of sort of massive, larger ones towards the center of the island. Um, but there's a there's a lot of city uh, as, as you approach. Um, you also are struck by just the amount of water traffic. As I mentioned, there were sort of gondoliers and ferry people waiting to, to take people across. Uh, the closer you get, it's like a swarm. Um, there are just boats coming and going, um, of all shapes and sizes, um, but incredibly crowded, uh, ports. There are seemingly docks, um, all the way along the coast of the, the, um, uh, of Sour Island. Um, but, uh, much like if you've ever seen, uh, there was a situation a little while ago in China where too many cargo ships arrived. So they're just like layers deep of boats. It's that, but with sort of smaller water taxis, mm. um, so uh, you get as close as you can uh, because of the the diplomatic credentials of Ginkgo. Um, people start to move out of the way, but there does come a point where you actually just need to walk across some boats uh, to make it to shore. Um, so although this feels uh, relatively disruptive um, to uh, the three of you, not so much to Maka because he is aware of... of even distantly of uh, how things work in in sour and in uh, the consortium of lean in general. Um, no one notices. Everyone just moves out of the way. It's a little bit like how um, someone from North America traveling to uh, India, for instance, or some parts of China would be just struck by how many people there are and how many, you know, like small vehicles are driving around everything else. Whereas the local populace is like, this is just what walking down a street is like. You just dodge out yeah. of the way of these, these, various vehicles and, and do your best. And similarly here um, uh, the the turtles manning these boats are immediately moving to counterbalance you. They're still they're, they're not stopping their tasks. it's literally just like as they see you coming. they just take you know one step in whatever direction uh, they need to in order to stabilize the boats. Um, and it's a, a remarkably uh, easy um, easy transition from from ship to land. Uh, is there anything any of you would want to keep an eye out for? Probably not to use your advantage, but just kind of as a general knowledge piece or anything else. Duncan, you've studied a lot of uh, other cultures, but uh, you studied the dwarves more than the uh, uh, the tortles of Bleen. Um, is there anything you'd be looking for, do you think? Um I think he'd just be looking for any signifiers that say what they think is important, because I think that's the thing he's always wondering in terms of negotiation. Which is like, if there are statues, what are the statues of? Are there certain recurring like images or logos? You know, is it what's the currency if he can spot it? Like, is there a rule to the way they lay out buildings? Like, just the things that would try to give him a better cultural understanding of them as a as a society. Sure. Um, And how about you, Gwendolyn?
2: Um, I think Gwendolyn is keeping an eye out for anything um that is kind of suggests like what what she has learned about Blean courts um' cause she does have some knowledge, um obviously no practical knowledge of Blean Court, but basically like from what she has learned, um. About those uh,
1: turtle fuckers, as your about father was those, fond of saying.
2: About those turtle fuckers, yeah. If if there's anything she recognizes to kind of find some footing in, uh, in basically what she knows about general court lifestyle.
1: Okay, cool. Uh, and Maka, is there anything you're on the the watch for? Um, I, I think it's been even in your your prior life. I don't think you lived in in Sour. Um, It's the big city, uh, and it doesn't really seem like a mock friendly place. Um, But uh, yeah, is there anything you're looking for? Trying to get a sense of saturation
3: of the population for this sickness. How many people are sick? Um, How severe do the symptoms appear to be? That kind of thing.
1: Okay. Oh, and I mean, it's worth flagging. Duncan is always low-key keeping track of military strength, but I think he has to do that less now that he's been freed from his oath to Orvel in particular uh, and the crown. He's there to right wrongs, but it's not the same as like, oh, I need a way out for Gwendolyn at all times, which is probably a bit jarring for him, but he's embracing it. Okay. So yeah, you mentioned he's embracing it. So even though so he's free from the oath, but I think still feels a good degree of. Oh um, yeah, it's not like oh he'd like, abandoned or no, just, no, I understand. Oh, and his his only priority is it, yes. her safety. Yeah, um, yeah. Keep an eye on how that develops because there's something really interesting to the idea of like I'm no longer beholden to protecting you. I'm still gonna do it, but you think about it in a different way. If it's like oh I gotta mm. get my friend out of a scrape rather than I must protect the queen. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, great. So um, as you uh, make your way across the boats, uh, you, you step foot on the shore. And um, Gwendolyn, uh, to some extent, um, this you definitely get like a strong sense of, of Orville um, to some extent from this place in that uh, there's tremendous wealth um, that has been applied and on display immediately. Like when, when your foot hits the ground, it's like meticulously well-placed um, stonework Um, There's clearly been a lot of investment in infrastructure to make this place uh, fancy and shiny. Um, The city itself, um, Gwendolyn, you would know from your research, uh, is known as the imported city. Um, Mm -hmm. Largely because it's, and as soon as you sort of set foot on it, you can understand why. There there is an architecture that is very clearly total. It's- Um, built in uh, kind of um, largely wood, uh, as you would expect in kind of a a swampy um, island uh, nation. Um, You can think kind of um, a bit of the design you'd see in sort of feudal Japan, where the major concern was we get hit by tsunamis and earthquakes so much that we can't we can't afford to build incredibly solid structures. They have to be wood. They have to be able to move. They have to be able to absorb the environment they're in. Um, And uh, I think for a visual representation, they certainly don't have um, the sort of curved roofs you would see in in feudal Japan. Um, Think of it instead almost as an architectural sketch. So where normally you would like erase the lines that there's just kind Mm. of clearly like, logs and, and pieces of wood placed in such a way that if you were to just try and draw a structure in loose lines in the margin of a notebook, it kind of has that vibe.
2: Oh, interesting. Okay.
1: Um, that said, that all starts about two stories off the ground. Uh, and you realize very quickly why uh, it's called the imported city, because there are buildings from all around Gren at ground level. Uh, you can see that they have literally mm. uh, imported and implemented um, facades, structures. I mean, uh, We're all based near Toronto. Toronto does this all the time with heritage buildings where a builder, like a condo developer, can't knock the building over, but they can gut it and put a new building through it. Um, So you get a sense of that. So on the street, it is almost like what uh, we in kind of the real world would imagine to be um, almost like a World's Fair or like an expo where it's just like all of these different architectural styles and structures and materials are on display right next to each other. It makes for a real, like, it's a small world after all mishmash of, of buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, once you kind of reach the top of what they've imported, there is very clearly a style that the tortles build, but they're wrapping it, um, at least at, at ground level, where you can kind of see it in um, the the cultures of the world.
2: Anything from Orville?
1: Uh, notably, no. Um okay. There is uh, nothing here from Orville, which hmm. would seem strange to Gwendolyn pre-everything she's learned to this point. But yeah. now that you've kind of come to realize that Orville's almost a pariah state, um, yeah. it, it tracks that there's not um, Orvellian um, stuff around here. Um, yeah. Duncan, in terms of you... Um, so, uh, the, the statues, um, there are certainly statues. Um, they're a little more stylized than, than literal. Um, but, uh, again, everything about this place bleeds wealth, um, and the, uh, the pursuit of wealth and the application of wealth. So rather than military heroes or anything of that sort, it's, um, clearly, uh, the merchant class is King, which makes sense given the the sort of trade nature of, of the nation. Um, but yes, it's a lot of like turtles in fine robes. Um, you can think uh, almost um, almost a bit of an impressionistic vibe to them, so they're not like this is what the turtle looks like. But it clearly evoking wealth and success. You also see uh, a good degree of um, what a lot of the like disgraceful Chris Columbus statues look like. There's a lot of explorer type statues uh, as a nation. Hmm that has spent a lot of its history exploring the world uh, to set up these trade routes. There's clearly a reverence for sort of masters of the sea and navigators and that sort of thing. Um, In terms of military presence, a lot more of these sort of snapping turtle motherfuckers kicking around. Um, Again, not a huge surprise given the amount of trade that um, uh, the consortium does that Uh, they would need- a weird question, Tom. Are hmm. they physically different than the other turtles we see on the street? Like, does this look like a physical cast system, or is this just you bulk up, see so you look it's, more snappy? It's just bulky, bulky turtles. Cool. You see, uh, yeah, there's a, a wide variety. Uh, it's definitely not a, a, a genetic cast system by any stretch. It's just you know, which turtles really like to get swole. Um, <laughs> You can see though like there's obviously um, based on even just the the different shells you've seen there are different inherent advantages to the physiology of of certain turtles for this line of work. There are some people who seem to be kind of naturally uh just by be fear. Well yeah, just by by virtue of their physiology, you know. It's like uh, when I was in high school being a tall lanky kid everyone was like, "Oh man, I bet you're really good at basketball." And I'm like, Uh, I mean, I'm tall, but I can't run, jump or shoot accurately. So no, if I were, this would be an advantage. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like some of the, the snapping turtle type folks are like the spiked shells. Like clearly that gives them a bit of a combat advantage, but, uh, similar to me being complete shit at basketball. Um, there's just a lot of people who've, who've, just put in the time and the training. So no, there's, um, and as, as you'd expect, just all, all sorts of turtles, um, uh, sort of all, all shapes and sizes. Um, but uh, you can definitely see a lot of these sort of hired, uh, hired guards Um, seems to be a a fairly standard, uh, standard site. Um, Doesn't look like a necessarily, it's not one mercenary company that services everyone. Um, If you were to venture a guess, uh, um, you're likely dealing with like, there is a a, a presidentia of, of the um, consortium, but or there was, there was, yeah. (laughs) Um, but you get the sense from kind of your dealings that it's almost like a merchant king, like a merchant lord society where it's like, if every merchant has a bunch of these people on staff and war were to come to blean, they would just form an army out of all of their guards. And yeah, so
3: it, it might, it's probably not a traditional democracy, but it looks like a meritocracy mixed with capitalism kind of
1: thing. Oh, hundred percent. There is no, like the, the, the names are clearly mis, misused in that way that uh, Joe speaking dictators and usually corporations love doing where it's like, you know, like corporate fun officer. It's like, they're actually just there to make sure that everyone's like doing their jobs or they, yeah, get they carry a gun. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, yes, doesn't, uh, doesn't feel particularly democratic. Definitely feels like a meritocracy. Uh, and the place is bleeding capitalism. Like, yeah, from top to tail, um, you are just seeing signs of that. And I think Duncan, particularly given your, that bent, you can see large, um, they're, they're roughly factory sized buildings. Um, you don't know what they're for, but like they're not, they're clearly not for living or for, you know, they, they're not residential. They're clearly something. And given the amount of trade, like warehouses, distribution centers, like all that shit. So, yeah, ceramics. Yeah. Who knows? The whole place feels very, we built a city on top of our our workshop space um it all feels very functional as well as you felt from walking across the boats like it seems that all the citizens you're observing are fully aware of like the function of the place they live no one is you know surprised by the the capitalist undertones mm-hmm. mm. uh tyler but... you, you had you had a, a quiet chuckle you, you got something for us no just uh... I've, I for some reason
3: in, a, in just a, a split second I was so sure you were going to say that they built this city on rock and roll.
1: Oh <laughs> man!
3: I was like, I, why would he say that? And like in my own brain, I was like, "No, of course that's not something he was about to say." Why would you even think that?
1: I mean, I do love that song, but he's, sadly, no, they he's did referenced not build rock it. and roll many times in many shows. Not this yeah. moment, but it would not have been completely out of no, character. One hundred percent. This is very much in in my wheelhouse. Um, cool. So. <laughs> Uh, that's what you're seeing. Um, Duncan, you did clock earlier that um, Ginkgo referred to Blean Bucks. Um, it seems just dumb enough to probably be true. Yeah, I don't think Ginkgo's smart enough to make that kind of joke, so it just feels real. Uh, it also, just the casual way in which he, he rattled, rattled it off, like this wouldn't be a reference Duncan would have, but uh, for us, like there's a real uh, 80s guy from Futurama vibe to this place where it just is. Like there's just that sense of like business everywhere. So the idea that it would have become a snarky casual, it's like still every time I hear it in something, it was clearly like an eighties idiom of like Boku bucks. And every time I hear it, I'm like, stop, that's such a fucking dumb. Why? But it's, it's that it's rolled off so casually. That's like, whatever the actual currency is called, it's clearly just going by this weird cavalier term now. Um. That I fucking hate, but is true of Bleem. Hmm. That you um, hate, but you also wrote. I know, because it's true of Bleem. <laughs> um,
2: Every time you say it, by the way, I just picture it as being said by Dwight Shroot. It'd be yeah, like, shrewt shrewt bucks. Bucks. Shrewt yeah. bucks.
1: It'd be one shoot bucks.
2: Buck.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, um, <laughs> what's the exchange rate of shroot bucks into dollars? It's not important. <laughs> so hypothetically, I could cash in this many and have ten thousand um, dollars. All right, and then uh, Maka. Uh, oh, and sorry, Gwendolyn. Just before we get off the capitalist bend, um, you can tell why your father would have been so snarky about Blean because this is exactly like nothing's going to give Orville an inferiority complex faster than a place <laughs> like this. This is yeah, such a. Even though it's it's um, political structure and everything else isn't something that Orville would aspire to, this like flagrant show of wealth and pageantry is right up there. But it's a little bit of the way that, um, and this has certainly been said of Toronto. Um, North American cities are often viewed as like tryhards when it comes to like history compared to a lot of the old European cities, where it's just like there's an effortless historical cool to like Paris that you just can't get here. Hmm. No matter how hard people try to oh like, oh look, this building's really old. And it's like, sure. And there's just that like, no, us too. Like, look at all, all our cool shit. <laughs> um, and immediately you're getting that sense that, oh, this is like Orville is someone trying to present that. This is someone who just is that. Uh, Cause they yeah. have been for a lot longer than Orville has existed.
2: I think there's also like, uh, there's definitely that like, <laughs> feeling of superiority when um, they would interact with uh, the turtles That's just mm-hmm. like, well, these like slow talking, like weirdos, weird animals. But, and then knowing that this also, that they're yeah. also like so much cooler and better. <laughs> well, and admittedly,
1: you only met them when the delegation arrived. Like that was the first time yeah. a delegation from Bleen had ever come to, to Orville since the foundation by Amala. So like, Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot happening. (laughs) But admittedly, Gwendolyn's mind has already been open to a lot of this stuff. So it's not like this is coming as a shock. It's just further confirmation of like, oh man, (laughs) Orville read the foreword to a book and then just thought that was the book and told everyone that they'd read it and built a whole society on it. Turns out there was a book and it's much different. Um, Yeah. And uh, Maka, can you roll, I think uh, I'd give you medicine or nature. For your observation of um, the sickness, for getting up and getting down with the sickness, as well. I'll happily take a medicine check. Great. Build this roll on rock and roll. That's an 18. Uh, yeah, man, that's great. Um, so uh, it has, uh, you were immediately struck. Well, the others are, are dealing with um, the, uh, the nature of, of um, sour and of, of bleen itself. Uh, you can skip all that because you are aware of it and it's, it's not somewhere you've been in a long time. It's, I think the way a lot of people who like, I don't know, live in like a smaller town in the Midwest are aware of like a New York or a Chicago, but it's a much different thing. Like walking into it. That said, uh, it has changed significantly since you were last here. Uh, you're immediately struck by the fact that everyone is sick. Uh, every turtle you see seems to be affected in, in you know, varying degrees. Not everyone is as, like, much of a snot monster as, as Ginkgo, but everyone does seem to be um, uh, affected by this in, in some way or another. Whether it's kind of red eyes, you're seeing a lot of that kind of, like, um, sort of uh, tear like the multiple tier, like you've cried through mascara kind of discharge. The stain um, sort yeah. of. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like people are like, there are some people also who are actively wiping it away constantly, um, mm-hmm. just rubbing at their eyes, um, seeing a lot of like handkerchiefs being kind of like wiped across uh, tortle snouts. Um, But um, you uh, also um, see, actually, can you roll me a perception check? Uh 12. Okay. Um, you're seeing uh the the city is a lot uh messier than you remember it being. Um there are uh there seems to be like if you kind of think of a city street after a parade, um, just kind of like a lot of um uh trash uh that, that has been kind of moved um into heaps along the sides of buildings. Um and you notice that there are kind of like piles of of uh it almost looks like leaves and, and debris and that sort of thing and these sort of like lumpy piles uh fairly frequently um throughout um you uh you also um feel uh, a little a little disoriented uh because um the spores uh for lack of a better term um almost feel like they're they're tilting a bit um, your your kind of spore equilibrium is is off. Um, you're not sure whether that's just uh, by nature of how much sickness is around you um, or what, but uh, the the curse that you've kind of feared may have come to to fruition is uh, is definitely living large here. So there's um, some disruption to uh, the cluster, and it's not like you're cut off. It's not like you can't feel other organic beings uh it just your your balance is a bit off if that makes any sense okay um so um the four of you are marched uh through the the streets of of sour um before uh arriving at a uh a large facility that uh maka you recognize as um one of uh There are relatively few um, readjustment centers in Sauer. Um, These uh, sort of jails and prisons are uh, present elsewhere. There's an entire island uh, that is just kind of um, dedicated to this and and rehabilitation of of criminals. Um, But of course, as with any major metropolis, um, Sauer came to require at least a a temporary holding facility um, for for criminals awaiting trial. this, uh, there are, this building seems like it is much more um, total architecture than, than a lot of what you've seen to this point. That kind of architectural drawing style is very present. That said, it does have uh, a series of five columns um, that are uh, very clearly um, uh, elven by design. Um, they're uh, beautifully embellished. Uh, remind you a bit of um, some of the the older architecture you saw in the shadowlands uh, from before the uh, uh, the pact was made. Um, but unlike a lot of the other buildings, they've just kind of stuck these pillars there to be like, look, we bought these, <laughs> but beyond it it is very clearly a, a, a total building for total Affairs. Um, <clears throat> once you arrive, um, a number of uh, totals in uh, uniform come out. Uh, they're wearing, uh, for lack of better analogy, kind of Dr. Doom chains. Um, so they've kind of got shoulder uh, shoulder guards and then kind of large um, brass sort of circular um, sigils uh, and then just a series of chains kind of hanging loose over their chest. Um, as with Maka, most turtles are pretty armored themselves, so there's no real need to to suit up, but uh, they definitely look, um, the, the prison guards have their own look and their own sort of uh, uniformed approach. Um and, uh, you were greeted by, uh, the warden, um, a, uh, and actually a fairly small turtle, um, uh, by, by the standards you've seen to date, um, almost thin, uh, which is a strange fucking look for a turtle. Mm. Um, the, uh, the shell, um, hangs, uh, uh, is, is a bit oversized compared to the, the slight frame. Um, that said, um, he carries himself with, um, that sort of reassured, solid step that um, evokes authority despite being small. Um, if that if that makes any sense, um, he wears the uh, the same sort of pauldrons with the uh, with the chain, uh, though his is in silver and has a large red medallion of office kind of hanging from it, uh, as well as a um, sort of a military style cap. Um, and uh, he comes out and says. Ah, yes. Welcome, new prisoners. Hmm. I hope your trip here was
4: uneventful. Yes.
1: Yes, thank you. My name is Duncan Kindano, first captain of the Dawnbreakers. This is Gwendolyn Kinsalaris, rightful princess of Orvel. We have Eta of the Empire of Numbers. And last, Maka Deathcap of the Tortles. Hmm, yes Maka, Cap. You
4: would seem to be at the very heart Of the situation, yes? Hmm What is the Situation that you speak of?
1: Um, and uh, Ginko steps forward uh, Just full uh, William Atherton from Die Hard Just like shoves A guard aside and is like <laughs>
4: This turtle Pretended to be me
1: and ruined my chances at the orgy room in Strongbrett. <laughs> and um, immediately, um, one of the uh, the, the prison guard steps forward, picks him up, and just walks away with him. He's like, "No, I, I, I oh, 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 okay." Um, but the orgy room, and he gets like carried away and placed sort of at distance. <laughs> um, and uh, Warden Oakline um sort of uh, shakes his head and he says. I apologize about Ambassador Longleaf. The dwarves of Sprongbrek Fortress are a lot, and it takes a very certain kind of person to succeed there. Yes. Yes, is that's what we've experienced ourselves. Very good. He is our most exhausting member of government. I apologize. There are some who would say being transported by him is a form of prisoner punishment and cruelty. Mm. I assure you, your stay here will be much more pleasant.
2: Well, and G- Gwendolyn just has to pay about. She says, Well, I assume so, considering we must have some sort of diplomatic immunity because I am the rightful heir of Orvel, and like the throne and stuff. <laughs> no? Yes,
1: the throne and stuff. Mm. It is surprising to learn that the. Rightful princess of Orville is here, let alone to see um, one of your kind. Um, he says as politely as he can, but like in the way that anyone like stumbling over um, like racist or otherwise like outdated language stumbles over it. Just being like, I'm doing my best, but it's still bad. Um, like he's actively not trying to offend you, but is also is answer. he referring to her as a statue or Duncan as a human? Duncan is a human. Um, yeah, he's trying to dance around that uh, badly. Weirdly, uh, really, like Gwendolyn kind of doesn't care because she's in armor. It's easier to just be like, yes. Su-. Like I mean, as you know, anyone in armor just looks like someone in armor. Like you can't tell yeah. anything else about them. But um, to be confronted with with a human is is strange for him. Um, but uh, he says, um, uh, "Rest assured." Your Majesty, um, these things will be taken into consideration. You need not uh, remain in a cell with <clears throat> the uh, traitor marker death cap. Uh, I will be taking you to the presidential palace along with
4: uh, Eta, was it, of the Empire of Numbers.
2: Well, all right. I mean, that's great and all, but like, surely you have like guards that you can like post. We can bring like Marco with us because like I've been traveling with him and he's like, uh, well, I should probably stop saying too much. But, um, you know, like surely in the presidential palace, there's like security. So it wouldn't be dangerous to bring Marco. I want Marco with me.
0: Dum Dums and Dice would like to invite you to check out their flagship podcast, Dum Dums and Dragons. It's a show where improvisers who've never roleplayed before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. It features Laura Elizabeth as the Wizard Alan, Tyler Hewitt as the Thief Quinny, and Ryan Laplante as a cleric named Butthole. Through their first season, these heroes experience the minds of Fandelva. But starting in season two, they step into a world of fully original adventures from the mind of DM Tom McGee. Follow them from the beginning of their quest through five more seasons and beyond. Check it out now. Dom-doms and dragons.
1: For the first time, um, you see kind of a... Uh, it, it, like It's hard to read total expressions because you've only hung out with Maka and he's so <laughs> deadpan. Um, <laughs> but uh, you see a, a bit of a supercilious smirk um, on, uh, on Oakline who... Um, takes it sort of a moment uh, to consider and then um, looks back up and says, perhaps I have been unclear uh, in my attempts to reassure you about the nature of your stay here. Hmm. Your majesty, what you want matters very little right now, yes? Mm. I do not know if the concept of hostages is familiar to you, but given that your people stole our presidentia and honor guard with the assistance of the betrayer, mark a death cap, you are not in a particularly good position to be making demands.
2: Oh yes? no, see that wasn't us. See, no, no, no. See like a bunch of people got, like my people got killed. That was like people from like elsewhere. She nods to
1: a guard and they Came cast in silence on you. And- your mouth is moving in your armor, <laughs> your, your voice is still going strong. Uh, you know, if there's anything you learned from Karen, it's like this. Um, but, uh, the, uh, the nothing is coming out. So it's literally like someone unplugged the, uh, the mic. <laughs> yeah. I think Duncan will give a polite nod of his head and say, we look forward to clarifying the situation at your pleasure. Um, <laughs> uh, excellent. So, um, da-da-da-da. Yeah. There's no, there's no check. It just happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, great. So, uh, the, the guards, uh, divide the party because I hate myself. Um, <laughs> Gwendolyn and Ita. um, you are to be taken, uh, to the presidential palace, uh, to meet, uh, with, um, uh, vice presidentia Cleon Rootback. Um, Ida is receiving incredibly preferential treatment, you've noticed to this point, Um, where uh, Gwendolyn, you've clearly um, been implicated in something uh, that you have nothing to do with. Uh, Ida, as a representative of the Empire of Numbers, is being treated legitimately well. You're being treated um, polite, like, yeah, send all your kids to live at my castle. What could go wrong? But like, if anything goes wrong... <laughs> I'm pretty stabby, um, whereas uh, Duncan and Maka, uh, Duncan having um, uh, sort of identified yourself as a, a co-conspirator with uh, Maka on the way over, um, you are uh, taken inside uh, to a cell, um, the uh. Essentially, um, uh, Oakline informs you that um, your legal representation will be along shortly, uh, that you will, uh, of course, have a day in court to have the charges read against you, uh, and you will have a chance to defend yourselves. This isn't a, again, in, in the way that only dictators truly do. There is a lot of pomp and circumstance around the system being incredibly fair and not wanting to take advantage of anyone. Hull wink. Um, mm but you will have a, a chance to plead your case and you will not be without uh representation of some sort. Just um, to be clear, Tom, do I have my hat? You do. Cool. They're going to take your weapons from you. Yeah. Shortly. Obviously the weapons and backpack and shit, all go. I just didn't know if I'd still have my hat or my coppers. Cause those would be the only two things that he actually gives a shit. Yeah. Like. Um, uh, you can think of uh, jail in Bleen kind of like what the photos of jail in Sweden look like. Like it's it's remarkably humane and uh, well appointed, and you're you're allowed anything that doesn't seem dangerous. They they let you keep. So in your case, yeah, if you want to keep the hat, they would search the hat. Uh, Is there stuff in the hat or are you just asking for, for flair and swashing reasons? Flair swashing and just Ryan keeping track of it in his head reasons. Just because like, there's (laughs) a certain amount of like Duncan
3: being stripped down that would react with a different Duncan than a, than a clothed, well-treated Duncan.
1: Yes, yes, yes. No, they're, they're being incredibly reasonable. Um, Duncan, you also like, you're happy that they're not treating you guys like complete assholes. On the other hand, uh, this is some proper blue collar shit like blue collar crime shit where it's like, or white collar crime, white, sorry, white collar crime shit where it's like, Oh, you defrauded a bunch of people and they all lost their homes. Go like hang out in a park. That's called a jail for like a week. <laughs> and then you can go back to doing it some more. Um, there's very much a sense of any one of us could end up here one day. and We want to make sure it's nice in case we do. Um but uh before you're you're sort of whisked away to your individual things, you do have a, a moment to confer. Um, but the situation again as as Oakline has under has uh, explained it, um, Gwendolyn Ida is being treated as like a guest, a visiting emissary of state, so is being given full kind of ambassador
4: mm-hmm.
1: treatment. Um, Gwendolyn, you're being treated as a an official guest uh, but also are clearly a hostage Um uh, awesome so it's it's like you'll be treated well you'll be taken to the presidential palace everyone will wait hand and foot on you but you can't leave or we'll kill you um duncan and Maka will be heading um to the uh, to the readjustment center um to await uh, their legal representation and sentencing well not sentencing but i guess the, the case being read against the trial you. um but you have a moment to confer also you will be able to communicate with each other at distance, uh, it just won't be entirely at your leisure. You'll have to be like, I would like to send a note, and then how long it takes will be up to my dice. Um, but uh, they're not like completely cutting you off. Is there anything you would like to discuss? Uh... Well, Gwendolyn, right now, it seems like the greater focus is convincing this nation that we... I guess the nation of Orville did not actually kill their president and uh, disappear and do a bunch of traitorous bullshit, which is sort of national and kind of falls on your shoulders. Uh, it sounds like we're not actually getting charged for the orgy room, but we're actually being charged for betraying the nation, which is a problem. I might be able to bounce back to orgy room shenanigans. is uh, in some shite. So I'm going to try to well, Stay with whole,
2: him. Yeah, I mean, that whole thing would be basically a death sentence in Orville.
1: Based on what we've seen of their presence, I'm not really sure how the sentencing works. We'll have to find out. But if you could clean up your relationship with them so that you can become more of a friend and less of a hostage, that might get you the ability to get some leverage to try to help out Marka.
2: All right. I I think, I, yeah, I'm, I mean, sure.
1: Also,
3: it is just like pulls Gwen a little bit away he's like you know how Maka never really talks
1: about the nation of Bleen and sort of doesn't give a shite about them leave that out he doesn't need to be like a hardcore patriot but he should probably in your eyes be a great representative of a country he loves
2: oh all right oh sure okay
0: just don't make it sound like he doesn't give a shit about the nation and he's just going around on adventures with us. Right. That'll
1: sound really bad if they're <laughs> to he's a traitor.
2: All right. He's with us because he's patriotic. He
1: but... he's, he's, he's wants to fix the cycle so he can heal all the turtles.
2: Right. Fix the cycle, heal all the turtles.
1: Maka, really do you contribute that. to this? Because you're sorry, Ryan, when you said you pulled her away, was it from the warden and the guards or from Maka? Both, because he oh, thinks okay. Maka right. would not give productive feedback in this conversation of his own legal defense. So, um, excellent, you're right? <laughs> um, <laughs> bold, uh, bold question for Laura and Tyler, uh, Ida and Maka being left alone for a second. Is there anything you would say to each other uh, before?
2: I think Ida would just say, "It's like I was not aware that uh, you were treasonous. Is this is this true?"
4: Not to my knowledge, although I may have committed treason on accident. Hmm. I will have to wait to hear them explain just how I committed this crime.
2: That is reasonable. Hmm.
4: If I remember your situation correctly, Ita. You may be looking forward to a similar reception from the Empire of Numbers.
2: Uh, That is entirely possible. There are just so many unknowns at the moment. I I do not know. Hmm. I mean, perhaps some here are are involved in the conspiracy. I I have no idea how far-reaching it is.
4: Perhaps whether or not I am executed will help you understand what to expect from your own countrymen. Hmm. Yes.
2: Perhaps. I would have to study the legal system here. I do not know that they are comparable. I mean, emotionally, from what I understand, that makes sense. Uh, Rationally, I I do not know.
0: Duncan will have turned around and gone back to join them because he didn't have that much to say to Gwendolyn. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) Ita, there is one thing that I'm wondering about because you were able to keep track of who betrayed, who at what point, because you know the lay of the land. Was Ginkgo Longleaf part of
4: the conspiracy involving the Empire of Numbers? That may have bearing on our case.
2: Was? That is an excellent question. Let me think back to the notes (laughs) that I made for myself.
1: Have I been stripped of my equipment and belongings? Uh, They will be as soon as you're done chatting, yeah. Before okay. you, you, like, it's a standard prison intake. I present the small box of
3: documents that the the dwarven guy, just the, the laundry list of, like, conspiracy letters and correspondence back and forth to, like, overthrow the government of <laughs> Sprongbrek uh, and install uh, the minister of the treasury or whatever he was as, like, the new president. Mm-hmm. Just that whole correspondence and letters and stuff like that with, like, the letter writing out, like, what to do when Ginkgo Longleaf arrives and stuff like that. Be like...
4: Perhaps this is the material. All right, this is a weird. Oh, that's (laughs) really good, but this is a weird question.
3: Uh, And he looks to like Gwendolyn and Ida and Marka and
1: Duncan's just like, now, if we have key evidence, but there is a conspiracy and we don't know who's involved, do we think it is more likely to be destroyed in storage at the prison or if it goes to the presidential
4: palace with you?
2: Uh, Perhaps I-, I believe it must go to presidential palace because yeah. here you you have no rights whatsoever. It seems.
1: All right. Well, Eta, you're not really a hostage or any sort of hostile party. So why don't you take this because you're mostly be able on to, to them. keep it. I'm... That'd be great.
2: And let us hope that I am not murdered.
1: <laughs> I'm going to hope for that, but I'm also going to hope that you could perhaps put some research into these papers and shall we say, run the numbers and see what you can find.
2: Of of course. Of course. I mean, assuming I am not first killed. All right. So we've got some I clear will, goals here. Of course. Here. I, I don't. Yes.
1: Ita, you do the research. Gwendolyn, if you could do your best to make sure that Ita isn't murdered, that'd be great.
2: I mean, she seems to be treated better than I am. So, I mean, I'll do what I can, but.
1: That's great because she's a lot more fragile than you, as a giant hulking suit of armor.
2: All right, sure, yeah.
1: So with that, uh, you are are separated. Um, sure enough, uh, Gwendolyn, you have kind of a hand on each arm as you're you're taken away, whereas Ida is uh, allowed to walk free. Um, with Ida her quickly, stack of
2: papers now. <laughs>
1: well, yeah. So Ida quickly pockets the uh, <laughs> yeah. pockets the documents. Um, the uh, there is, uh, you see the warden's eyes narrow at this, but as soon as, like, it just happens to, I think, Duncan, like, you've seen enough of this bullshit slash you also watched Lethal Weapon too, so you know that just, like, diplomatic immunity is really going to get you far. So you just immediately shove it into her hands and kind of, like, step back. It's one of those things where the jurisdiction just changed in a drastic way, and you watch, like, Oakline just kind of be like, Ah-ah. curse my total speed. Mm. Um. Because now that Ida's got it, he has to just politely let it go, uh, uh, even though it's fucking killing him. Hmm. Um, but uh, with that, um, you're 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 separated. Um, Ida and Gwendolyn, um, you are are taken um, uh, towards the uh, the presidential palace, uh, which is uh, very much kind of um, a a large circular very ornate like if anything looked orvellian in this place it's this it's not orvellian but it's mm-hmm. you recognize a, a flex um when you see it in terms of <laughs> uh, architecture um and uh, it seems to be adorned with kind of things from every culture you've seen up to this point uh, it's very ostentatious and uh unnecessary but here we are um, meanwhile, um, yes, Maka and Duncan. In terms of your gear, um, you're allowed kind of creature comforts. So if it's something like your coppers or your hat, they'd leave that with you. Um, Maka, uh, obviously, like the the netting you've got on your shell. Um, as long as it like, they would take anything that looks useful from that. But I believe you're you're pretty stripped down, right? Like just kind of yeah. Like in terms of clothing, I'm I'm not wearing any clothing. Yeah. Um
3: but I'm assuming some of my magical items are gone. Uh, the key of locking, the gift of Gus.
1: Yeah, and kind of to, to be clear, um, you're seeing them put these in a very secure, safe location, but they're also doing a lot of work to like, label it. Again, you're, you're reaping the full benefits of a system designed to punish, but also not punish too hard in case you get punished by it. So, um, it's you know you're reassured by the staff that you will receive your your gear again if you're acquitted, yeah. um, or so if this is if Wall Street CEOs built the mm-hmm. white collar prison. Yeah. This is a hundred percent that, and in many okay. cases I think they did. Like, oh, it's
2: a just, private prison. <laughs> just so you know, Ida still has Gus's collar.
3: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I should okay. adjust that. Great. Uh, but I'm assuming like my mace and my shield
1: are gone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> They, uh, they have, they have their, uh, their, like, um, they they have a a sort of a magical expert who cast, uh, silencer earlier. Take a look at your arm. Um, they're going to roll an arcana check. Um, this is clearly beyond their, uh, their expertise. It's, uh, identified as, uh, being a root folk, um, arm, (laughs) but, Mm -hmm. uh, prosthetics from the root folk don't exist as they understand it. So they're kind of, it's one of those weird things where they're like, okay, well, like I know what this is. Like this is a root folks person's arm, but it's attached to you. And it's Maka's
3: explanation helps them at all. When he just like, honestly
4: is like, this is the result of using the cluster to percolate the group consciousness of decades of trauma from the rude folk perpetrated by a witch.
3: <laughs> just, he keeps, just yeah, keeps same. going. Yeah. This, can, seeing this, their confusion the can the <laughs> an answer. In.
1: Well, so I rolled a two. Uh, Ryan, I'll, I'll let you know what the response is then you can decide whether you want to chime in with the answer. Um, the magical expert is nodding knowingly along um, as as someone who doesn't actually know what you're talking about but knows they should is, and I, adding a lot of like, Oh yes, yes.
3: Mm. Nodding and sweating, but collective. Also. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Like just, it's just Jordan Peele, just like full sweat. Uh, yes. Uh, but of course,
3: mm. yes.
1: The of yes, of five, the witches. Of course, yes. Um, Shadowlands. There, they are from. Mm. Yes a uh, combination of cricket, like just adding details that everyone kind of knows. Right, yeah. Um, but no, it's it's like, it's just full on catch me if you can DiCaprio doctor being like, what do you think doctor? And then the doctor's like, here's what we should do. And he's like, agreed, you passed. And the doctor's like, I nailed it. Um, so he's just like really going along with it. Duncan, you see this, uh, do you try and clarify or do you just let let this ride? I think he might add in that case, just like a, a, an explanation that makes their case sound a little bit better. Or He's just like, Marco was gifted this arm by the root
4: folk, a race of trees who have become friends of Jassy and thus friends of the tortle.
1: Um, admittedly, uh, you do recall that the root folk were doing a heavy trade with uh, with Bleen. So um, you, you see some nods of, of familiarity and acknowledgement. That said, looking at how many boats you saw on the way in, uh, what might've seemed like, we know your friends, the root folk now seems like, Oh, we know a customer of yours. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you see some nods. Um, but uh, because I rolled a four and a two, <laughs> they kind of just let you have this arm. They can't really figure out what it is. Um, they don't really have the expertise to correctly analyze it. And everything you said sounds incredibly made up and weird. So they eventually just kind of give up and are like, sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, with that, you're taken, taken in. So um, just mark that your gear is is not on you. Um, imagine that you're, you're kind of, again, wearing creature comforts, but you don't have all your cool stuff. Um, you're taken to uh, a joint cell. Um, it's got uh, two beds. Um, Duncan, uh, you kind of like testing the bed. It is so soft and you hate it. Uh, it is an unnecessary amount of like, it is a thick fucking, like, it's like a foot thick and just like nothing but down. Um, (laughs) that said, uh, as you see, uh, Maka kind of testing his, even though it's clearly not what he's accustomed to, you understand that sleeping with a shell on any kind of surface must be a real bitch. Um, so they've clearly kind of gone out of their way to make, uh, accommodations for turtles. Um, but Tom, is there a
0: desk or something in the room?
1: Yes. Uh, Yeah. We're talking Swedish prison. There's a desk. There's a lot of natural light. Uh, It's easy to work out in here. Um, The the toilet is like, you know, discreet, but also clearly well kept. It's got a bidet attachment. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If he flips the desk over and puts it on the bed and lays on it so it's like he has a shell, is the bed more comfortable? Uh, The desk is unfortunately fastened to the wall and floor. So you go to lift it and it's one of those classic like Whoop, and you just feel something twinge in your back that is is never great, um, but after doing some some quick stretches, uh, you kind of work that kink out. But no, unfortunately, like again, you're you're and I think this all makes sense to to Duncan. You're you're seeing where the the limits are on on the prison nature of, this. of yeah. this prison. Now, if you want to try and detach it you can absolutely attempt that because it looking at the two of them this does seem more like something you'd be comfortable sleeping on than the bed yeah no he's definitely going to do that then like all right uh give me a sleight of hand please 22 yeah man um you get the sense that it's it's like attached in a way that's that's meant to be like come on (laughs) <laughs> you know it's like a, a lot of bike locks that are really just there to be like come on is it worth it and then if you hit them with anything they just shatter and it's like oh well <laughs> you solved my bike puzzle um <laughs> they're they're just a, a deterrent more than anything else you quickly manage and, and effectively manage to to get it free uh you put it on the bed you lie down on it oh baby that's what i'm talking about it is much more to your liking um one of the guards walks by and she says mm, if you required a second desk We would have just brought you one. Yes, please save the bolts. Bolts do not grow on trees. Mm. And then you hear like a scraping noise and the guard comes back with another desk and like opens the door, (laughs) like shoves it in uh, and then looks at you, points at the bolt holes and says, don't grow on trees. Manufactured, (laughs) yes. And then close the door and lock it. Well, Duncan's glad he got to keep the bolts and he'll put those in his pocket in case they become useful later. (laughs) He's going to be so mad later when he comes by that desk and move. Um, oh, wait. Oh, wait. If he might come back and check it, Doug, it'll put two in the ones by the wall go. so that it won't jiggle, but he gets to keep two. Great. Love it. Uh, you look at the lock of the door. It's made of bolts. <laughs> 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 door opens and you're free. Um, so uh, yeah, the two of you um, are, are in jail. Is there anything you two would confer about um, before you, uh, your your the the order of it um I, I misordered it earlier. Uh, you will be read the charges um in court, uh, and then you will be assigned your, uh court-appointed representative. Well, Maka, is there anything I need to know about the courts of Blean? Uh,
3: I don't know how much Maka knows, other than like just the broad strokes. I know, even the broad like, strokes. You're arrested like, and you go to court and you plead your case and. You either go to
1: jail or something else happens. <laughs> yeah, because I think sort of out in the swamp where where you lived, uh, it would have kind of been like in, in feudal times when it's like, oh, if you're going to court, like we're gonna take you to the city. That's where yeah. the court is. So yeah. you're aware of it in a very distant land of Oz kind of way. Yeah, but um, yeah. Beyond that, you're you're not too too certain. What you I will say, Ryan, uh, the warden would have explained that uh, essentially like. You'll be taken to court. The charges against you will be read. Uh, you'll be able to enter a plea. Um, after that, you'll be assigned a representative um, who will kind of talk you through the rest of the process. But the... or No, you wouldn't enter your plea at this point. My, my apologies. You're just going to be read the charges. So Charges, representative, then. Yes, because basically it's like nothing is going to happen at court before you have a lawyer. So you're just going to find out the lay of the land uh, and then you can plan your strategy from there. But in terms of like planning... Uh, I just want you to know for Duncan's sake that Duncan doesn't need to be worried. Like, Oh, we're going to show up and they're going to be like, you're guilty. It's treason. I'm hanging you today. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. No, he's waiting for more info. This isn't like we need to escape mode. I think at this point, yes, certainly not. Um, And again, there seems to be a lot of, a lot of interesting things happening all at once from your observations to date. um, Dinko was taking you in under the, you fucked up my orgy room uh, thing and impersonating an ambassador. Uh, However, once uh, Maka Deathcap was recognized, the entire tone seems to have changed and something larger seems to be at work. That said, uh, confusion and miscommunication is the ally of a sneaky, sneaky (laughs) um, dualist trying to get out of criminal charges. So there is a little bit of... um, You've observed some confusion, which will work to your benefit. Great. Maka, if you don't know anything about the court, then this is going to be kind of antithetical to you, but... When we go to court and they read the charges, don't say whether you did or did not do any part of it. What you need to do is not talk. Because if they're like, you committed treason, and you're like, I didn't do that, and they're like, by teaming up with the princess, and you're like, I did do that, then we're fucked. So don't, just don't comment. We can talk about what we did and didn't do once we've got a lawyer separate. Like, once they give us the defender and they put us in a room, just us, where no one can hear, then we can talk totally honestly. But until then, we just have to stay quiet. They say what they want to say, and we just stay quiet. Can you do that?
3: Maka says nothing.
1: (laughs) There he is. You're doing great. You're doing great. You're doing great. Uh, and then I think they both <laughs> just sit silently. <laughs> if, if it's worked thus
3: far, Duncan does not want to confuse the system any further. So it'll just be silent waiting. And then he'll take out his dice. Cause I feel like they'd leave him his dice probably. Of sure, his yeah. Personal effects. And just be like, you know, shake him in his hand and then kind of give one of those shrugs. Like, Hey, should we play dice? <laughs> uh, Maka will point at them and say, those are called dice. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck.
0: This episode of Curse, Code, and Crown sound was mixed and edited by Laura Hamstra, and the campaign was created by Tom McGee! Our original theme music was composed by Landon Noblock, and Curse, Code, and Crown's logo was created by the brilliant Decapitated Markers! If you want to follow our players or our DM on Twitter, you can reach out to Laura at EL Hamstring, Ryan at TheRyanLeBlant, Tyler at Tyler underscore Hewitt. Tom McGee at McGee TD. Or you can message our whole company at Dum Dum Dice. So please join us again for more curse, code, and crown.
1: Dum Dumbs and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, long long the half-blind prophet, James Quayar, Charles Grams christopher little sue one george dolby one true artistry orion birchfield lorda bradovic noel lewis scott garland anthony griffin chet awesome laser
0: jordan neesmith
1: benjamin v gavin and abby mcdonald taryn hefner Cade peters richard cranium christian mendez anna zed eric williams